five ordinary people needed a miracle. Help us, somebody. Then one night, Faye Riley left the window open. Welcome to America. This is history. Machines that reproduce themselves. They're spaceships. From a very small planet. Steven Spielberg presents a Matthew Robbins film. Batteries not included. Rated PG. Starts Friday at theaters everywhere. This feels like we should be doing Cocoon. Honestly, like this is well, what it should be. We originally had Cocoon, but because we couldn't find it, we yeah. swapped it out. This movie yeah. inspired me to, after I watched this, uh, I watched Close Encounters because I never, I've seen, I realize I've seen about 60% of Close Encounters, but I it's like, I definitely have never seen the whole thing. So, Well, that's much better it. than this movie. So I watched it start to finish. I'm like, oh, this is a masterpiece. <laughs> like, I, like yeah. Spiel, what, Spielberg and Aliens, man. He's just yeah. like, he loves that story. Close line. Encounters, though, I, I, um, it has its faults. Yeah, I, just have a hard time that's another movie i have a hard time focusing all the way through like that's because you just don't like the lead actor that's part of it yes (laughs) oh he's he's very good he's very good he's great in close encounters he's great in jaws Jaws. and stand by me stand by me i mean yeah he's got kind of a part in that and and I Mr. Think Holland's not, opus. I don't Mr. think you're. I don't think you're supposed to like him. And what about Bob? And uh, I think and he's great. Uh, yeah. What about Moon Over Parador? I haven't seen it. Don't know mm. that one. Should change yeah. that. Should I? Sure. Seems like it's kind of ruined you for Richard Dreyfus. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Is there a movie where he gets uh, horrifically murdered that 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 you could watch that scene and? There's yeah. there's got there's got to be. There's gotta be. Is he a murder victim in something? He's. I don't know. He's not. I don't know if he did those those kinds of movies. They were beneath him. Yeah. Rely on story, not gore, David. That's the Dreyfus way. Well, you know, he got so close to be eaten by a shark. You know, close, but you're uh, rooting for the shark every time. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with all that, uh, welcome to a. Brand new episode of Reconsidimation. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brett Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we're checking out how they hold up today. And this week we're going family. We're going our first, is this our first family film? Family style? Um, I don't know if it's our first family film. What constitutes family film on here i think adventures in babysitting was a family film yeah i guess that could be yeah we could consider that a family film it's kind of yeah that's that was little there yeah you and and your significant other and and if you have them your kids can gather around and friday the 13th part four that's definitely a family film Mm -hmm. yep (laughs) all all in the family uh yeah so but we, either way, we've not done it very often. So um, we we went we went animation our last episode with heavy metal, mm. and now not, we're going family. not family, yeah. not family, heavy metal. <laughs> we, we swung the opposite as direction. discussed in in the, in that episode. Not family friendly, not yeah. for the kids. 
And if you missed it, check it out in the archives at reconcinemation.com. Because we're kind of just saying family as like a, a G or PG kind of film, right? I mean, yes. Yeah. You know, like vacation and Christmas vacation, those, those can be enjoyed by the family. Are they, they're not like. I wouldn't categorize I them as family them. films, though. No. Yeah. Like it should be sold if it were the old days in a video store, it would have a clamshell. Oh, like Mac and me. <laughs> that's a, that's Mac a family. Have a clamshell? <laughs> yes, I have one still somewhere. Oh my gosh. It's like my wife's favorite movie, Mac and me. Yeah. And I was like, have you seen E.T.? Because it's <laughs> superior. There's a little movie. It's like, no, e. Mac and me. Mac and me is the one. I'm like, cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Each his own. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And you know what? So just to be clear, we're talking about the theatrical cut of Batteries Not Included, not the director's cut, which is one of the goriest uh, movies that's ever been in the history of film. <laughs> yeah, that's so, right. I do want to see that cut. Movie. I want to see that cut. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to find. Yeah. Most yeah. of the footage was lost in a warehouse fire. Yeah. It was, that was, that's how Spielberg came in and, and just, you know, chopped all that out and made it a family movie. Yeah. <laughs> but the funny trivia, though, uh, the original title of Child's Play, which came out in 1988, was Batteries Not Included. Oh, indeed. So yeah, this that's movie... Inc- yeah, beat it to the punch, and uh, Child's Play had to think of a new name. Yeah, the director of Child's Play was like, I can't compete with Spielberg. We're changing the name. <laughs> well, <laughs> I can't do this. Yeah. Uh, so so why are we, where did this movie come from in our, how, how did we get to Batteries Not Included? After all the movies we've covered, how did we come to this one? Funny you should ask, because I feel like we were just talking about this before we started, and I think it's because we wanted to do Cocoon. And Cocoon is really hard to find Mm. on uh, home video, like VHS, DVD, Blu-ray. It's not streaming anywhere. Uh, And I, I was feeling lost without a little bit of Jessica Tandy in my life. And so we pivoted to batteries, not included, which I think it's was right. an interesting choice. Yeah. yeah. It, it's the right pivot. It makes sense. Um, yeah. If you're, if you're craving a little, a little Cronin, you know, Hume Cronin and, and Jessica Tandy combo, this is another I mean, who, one. Who doesn't love Hugh Cronin and Jessica Tandy? I mean, yeah. they're married for 50 years or so, or, or yeah. more in real life. Like, Oh, there's no denying that their chemistry is is real, but I don't think this movie's as good as Cocoon. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was this was an interesting uh, trip down memory lane watching this one. Um, in fact, let's let's talk about it. Where did uh, when was the first time you saw Batteries Not Included? Brent, we'll start with you. Was it? Uh, Do you see it in the theaters or home video? Uh, I saw it in the theaters with my family at the Westwood Mall when I was just a little guy. Mm-hmm. In 87 would have been, you know, nine years old. Yeah. Okay. So theater for you, David, what about you? I, I had never seen it. And, um, Oh, first time watch first time on this one. So, um, so yeah, it was just for this podcast. It, it, it's sort of, I, I had always, um, 
seen it when it like i think it was probably a cheap movie to show on the the saturday afternoons and sunday afternoons uh, on local affiliates and stuff but i'll be honest the one thing that always got me is they show the little robot coming out of the pea soup and the yes, the imagery do. of that kind like just put me off a little like despite despite everything else that's in the trailer or the commercials <laughs> for it and all that i'm like yeah but he's like this little this little robot's in the soup and uh you never played a... with your little R2D2 characters from Star Wars in in your pea soup? That no. wasn't a thing. I well, pea soup's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I don't like pea soup, if, so that if, that also contributed. If pea soup yeah, is in your movie outside of the exorcist, I'm not watching it. Yeah, that's I'm just a, a ground rule I have. It just that always stuck with me. Like the cuz like cuz also in the commercials you'd see like the the uh, the composite of like the the animated robot flying a you know blue screen over the footage and then but then you see a real robot in the soup and like that juxtaposition wasn't good like as a as a young <laughs> as a like, young kid i'm like, like i, I don't can't know. buy into this there was just something about the whole thing of like uh, uh i don't know so you know it just never got to be and maybe because there's no when I mean, like when i was a kid i probably would watch it if a kid was in it right like if i was seven years old and there was like but there's no kids it's like an, it's all a bunch of old timers i had never heard of you know <laughs> a couple old timers and it looks nice it looks fine but i was just saying it wasn't for me so i think but, as a kid i really enjoyed it i sure. it's not it's not one that i like again i didn't really go back to it much because there were i just think probably for me much better options um but I did. I do remember liking it in the theater, like being yeah. surprised by it. Like I, I, I think I went in young, like young me, not knowing much about it, feeling pretty underwhelmed about the fact that we were going to go see this one because because it was old folks and there were no like young kids. There was not like, you know, the other Spielberg influenced films of those days, which are like primary, like heavily influenced by like children's adventures and wonder and things like that and there wasn't a lot of that in the trailers or anything and then after leaving though i felt like oh you know what that wasn't that was fun like i liked it again i was nine but i liked it and it was it yeah. was it was better than i uh had anticipated mm. everyone you're rooting for you know you could root for them it's a it's a, it's a very optimistic story and and it's fun i could see if you're a kid and watching it straight through, I don't see why you wouldn't like it. Like in general, yeah, I think it's really easily digestible for a uh, yeah for a younger audience members. Yeah, and it has a slight sense of magic, and you know the designs of the 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 designs were cool, and so there's like stuff to like grab onto that kind of work at that time. You know, again, pea soup to- totally did the opposite. <laughs> But uh, That's what I was gonna say, but it's got pea soup. It's got so, the pea yeah. soup in it. That's true. And it throws the whole game off. If it, when uh, I'm meeting with filmmakers now and I'm reading scripts, one of the first questions I have is, "Is there pea soup in here?" And if there is, that's a pass. <laughs> I will read no further. You guys have nothing but hate for pea. See, I re- <laughs> I like pea soup. My mother made an excellent pea soup. I love it. You yeah. guys are hating. I don't, I don't like peas. I don't like pea soup. Which are I don't two really like flavors, peas, right? which is funny, but I do like pea soup. There you go. Go figure. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I, back um, to this interesting to have a children's movie without children. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's kind of strange. I saw this friendly. movie. I saw this movie. Um, I got yeah. I was probably eight, uh, and I was in like an after-school daycare kind of thing in elementary school. My parents worked till six or six thirty, so uh-huh. I'd have to stay certain days you know, in the after school group. And we just like, you know, we'd do whatever. We'd play and watch movies. And this was one of the movies, kind of like Meatballs 2 for my camp life. <laughs> Batteries yeah. Not Included was like the movie they had on hand all the time. So we watched <laughs> this multiple times. And I always, I, I always, I don't know. I, I was never really, I never loved it. Like I never, um connected with it. I always struggled with, and I think that might be it, that there was just like, there was no kids. There was nobody really for me as a kid to like really hang on to and identify with. So it just always held, held, you know, worked against the movie for me. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's strange. Like you think of some of the other movies that, that Spielberg just produced in that time, right? Like in the eighties and like, not all of them had kids or not all of them were necessarily like children's movies or family movies, but like things like Poltergeist, right. Which is very much, I I wouldn't, you know, that's a horror movie, not a kid's movie. I wouldn't think, but like as a kid, I liked that a ton better just because like Heather O'Rourke was in it. Like just having a child representative in one of his movies, I think helped resonate a lot more. You felt seen. You felt, I felt, I felt heard, you know, I felt connected to, well, but that's a good point, though. And I think we should, you know, part part of what watching it this time really jumped out at me was the Spielberg effect and his name being attached to all these movies and, and skipping over the movies he directed. So let's just look. We're not going to look at this second, but stay tuned. We're going to go through all the movies he produced in the 80s and what worked, what didn't work, and where does this one kind of fall into the mix. But yeah. Before we do that, David, can you give a quick recap? What is Batteries Not Included all about? Oh, a, uh, a found family of assorted characters living in a, um, an old New York building are facing a forced eviction from land developers. And while they all resist to, to, to leave, none of them want to leave. Um, and uh, they are befriended by out-of-this-world mechanical little beings, and they help revitalize uh, their life uh, and help fend off the, the, the developers for, for a time. And uh, we're, along, we're along for the ride to see, can they find happiness in their, their old place? Time we will call, tell. We call those little helping beings fix-its. Fix-its? Fix-its. Is that their proper reference referenced name? Yes. Or, yeah. Like if you're talking about the movie, those are the fixits. That those is correct. That's what uh, Frank calls them that, right? What does he call it? I, did I miss that? I, th- I thought he called them that. He probably I did. I don't know if I caught him calling it or not, but during the course of researching for this, for the, for the show, uh, basically any article that I read, Red kept referring to them as the fix. So I, think I just, I think there was a one-off little. There may have been. I think I just, he said, like, I, I think 
pretty like when they're it might be during the the birth scene you know mm. the robot alien robots that are giving birth yeah um batter is not included i think he says it, it totally, there it's real yeah it could happen yeah gushing Great. mechanical oil where's, everywhere where's, yeah. <laughs> The where's your sense of just a where's your sense of wonder birth. and spectacle, John? Jeez, man. Well, and and that's part of my issue with it. I don't have it for this movie, like E.T. and Close Encounters and all the you know all of those even Gremlins. Like it's there, it's not here for me. I don't. For batteries not included. I'll agree that it's a little wonder light. Like for whatever reason. Like it just doesn't, you're right, achieve that same sense as, as like you said, Gremlins or E.T. Um, it just seems a little bit more reserved in a way. Like I, I love the fix-its. I think they're adorable. I, I understand the, from, a, from a consumer product standpoint, I, mm-hmm. I get why, why they went for it. But you're right. Like it doesn't quite hit on all cylinders and it, to me watching it felt very almost made for tv in a way yeah. like like yeah. a lot of it well and in fact it almost was originally it was developed and written for, written as a segment in amazing stories Absolutely. which totally makes, fits i could yeah, watch this totally makes sense right yeah. yeah it it feels like it absolutely came from like an amazing stories now for those that don't remember brent were you an amazing stories fan can you recap what kind of what that show was all about uh i was a fan but it was an anthology series that always had some sense of wonder and spectacle each episode where the heroine would would overcome some adversity that that usually took some sort of miraculous happening uh, to occur for that for that outcome. And uh, overall, I, I don't know that I've seen every single episode, but but there are a few that stand out to me that I really like. I think the one that is probably most recognizable to most people is the 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 bomber yep. uh, episode where yeah. the the belly gunner is trapped under the B Casey Shamasco from Young Guns and Three O'clock High. It's, yeah, that's the same kid. Yeah, yeah. how'd you know? Um, and so uh, he's caught under the the plane in his little belly gun turret, and um, the the airplane's landing gears are not coming out. And so, uh, in some last ditch effort, I think we it's established somewhere in there that he's also like an artist, or someone on the plane is an artist, and he draws a landing gear on the airplane and right as they're about to crash, the landing gear comes out and it's like this cartoon. I think it's like this cartoon. It's like rotoscope, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and it's amazing. Like it's actually, it's an amazing story. It is an amazing story. Um, but also it's got, I mean, Kevin Costner, Kiefer Sutherland are all in that segment. You know, it's, it's, I mean, and all of all, all of the episodes have, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of star power kind of sprinkled throughout the the series. I think it ran for two seasons, um, and then even more recently, I think maybe in 2019, 2020, uh, Apple did a did like a, a reboot, 
uh, and had uh, a season uh, that was also had some good, you know, with anthologies, like you find, you know, some of the, some of the stories are better than others. It, it was, it was called not as amazing story. <laughs> did, uh, no, did this pretty less good. amazing was stories. Spielberg uh, involved? Did he, I, I'm, I'm sure he, his name's I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure, sure he has. I don't but, know that. I don't know how, to what level he was. The original involved. one though, was so Spielberg, like very, very much Spielberg so. look visually the tone. It, um, it felt music. like a Spielberg project. The, yeah, the John Williams and the music, the, you know, that that uh, opening theme song is, you know, totally memorable. And, and the whole opening credit sequence was was really cool. One of my favorites yeah. as a kid. But uh, yeah, and I think like a lot of the Spielberg crew, you know, worked on those as they were available. But um, yeah, it was a big show in like right in the mid 80s. And I think that one with um, with that were you were just describing brent was maybe the first episode or second episode it was it was early on i'm pretty i'm definitely first season uh and i'm pretty sure it was was yeah first first couple yeah so this was so batteries not included was originally designed to be a segment on that show but spielberg you know he loved it and saw something in the story and felt like it could be its own movie and stand on its own two feet and uh separated it and developed it as a feature yeah and and it's you know i think we've already said it but it's there's probably enough there that he saw to expand on it being more than an amazing story but i don't know if it's enough to fill out an entire movie i think i think uh it, it i think it needs it needs like six more months script development just like because the characters are all a little disjointed for so long and like you don't you, you know they just sort of clash into each other and mm-hmm. you don't really feel like a closeness to them until it's like until the, toward the end like in terms of their closeness to each other and all that so and then there's the tragic like this sort of this tragicness to jessica tandy's character being you know not yeah. fully uh, suffering you know, from dementia. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. it's not really dementia though. It's yeah. it's selective memory. Yeah. You know, she's she's in a she's in post you know PTSD really. She's post traumatic. Uh, you know, after their the death of their child or their sure. son, not child, but who's an adult. But that's that's not really revealed until the very correct. End. You don't know right. that till so, way deep in the movie. Yeah, yeah, so that kind of reveals itself. Yeah. And then she comes to a point of acceptance. And, uh, you know, so we assume she's a lot better, you know, after. So I feel like it's just almost like if they all, if that group all sort of had relationships versus like they all kind of meet each other at the start of the movie, you know, as it's going on. Yeah, I agree the, with that, David. Or at least a few of them. So it's it's almost like if they're not just connected enough, I get, I get it. The story, the story works, uh, 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 but to have that sense of wonder, I think you need like tighter relationships. Um, probably just so we yeah, can trust. stronger, a stronger bond between kind of all the tenants, right? Because, yeah. you know, like you said, there are a couple that seem to have some relationships, but others are just very like, like they've never even seen before. And they've been yeah. living in this, in this, you know, uh, apartment building that's about to get torn down and they're all <laughs> fighting against that cause but like oh hey you're a neighbor and this guy yeah i live on the third floor it's like okay that's a well, little 
Suspect. Yeah, it's weird. Like Frank and Faye, who is Hume Cronin and, and Jessica Tandy, are a, a couple that have been there. We see right in the opening montage that they've been there since what for forty years, since the forties or something. That mm-hmm. yeah. that um, they've been in this building and through all the good times and when that whole neighborhood was really was really jumping and um yeah and and now we've seen it you know deteriorate and to the point where their building is the only one left and as developers are trying to get rid of the tenants and take over the building to build you know whatever they're going to end up building so yeah um it was interesting in watching this movie it felt like a movie that was much older to me than it was like i don't know if i can exactly put my finger on it but just the color quality and 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 things of that nature felt more like almost like those movies you see that have had color added to to black and white like just kind of like that treatment Mm. and it really like gave the film to me like a, a sense of it being like maybe more from like the the 50s 60s than it did you know the 80s right yeah yeah it's, no, it's, it's a very brown movie right, <laughs> right. No, <laughs> you're, you're, yeah you're not wrong the colors are tone. yeah they're, they're like muted like that and and everything is deteriorating and broken down like the whole beginning of the movie everything is just everything around them is broken the streets are all rubble you know as they're everything is torn down right like inside like right away you know carlos comes over and he's hired to kind of help get the tenants out and he destroys the frank's restaurant uh is the cafe at the you know on the bottom of the building and everyone's apartments are you know falling apart and decaying and you know it's just a, it's like a dirty grungy movie yeah and everything and, being broken is the genius of the fix-its right? correct so, yeah and that's so all intentional that's but where it's, you get i was gonna say that's where you get the tie-in yeah yeah but it's also as a as a viewer i feel like it's a little off-putting you know it's a little i don't know hard to um it's just hard to get into, you know, right off the bat. And the other thing I was going to say is, you know, individually, I like a lot of these actors, but here the performances feel like it really feels like it feels like a play to me. Like it feels like this could be done as a, a, in the theater, you know, Mm -hmm. and their style of acting is very, a little bit over dramatic and over dramatized like in theater where you do it you do it bigger right so the entire audience can see mm-hmm. whereas in a movie it's the you know just different styles movie you don't need to be as big because the camera can make is going to make it bigger so um i wonder if they ever made this a play like i don't probably, know but it feels it, like it to me it could it could easily be a play like you know like it's all pretty self-contained you know, yeah. there's not a whole lot of like over the top special effects. Yeah, there's only sort. a few sets really that have to be in it and you can work mm-hmm. around it. It'd probably be a pretty good play, actually. I, I think this would be this this could be the new Broadway show. Let's do it. Battery's not included. <laughs> Coming to music. Broadway. David, David's got his pencil out. I see him jotting down some notes. Here we okay. go. 
but like you know this spielberg making this or producing this movie or being a producer on it like you know we this isn't the this isn't the first time we've had spielberg attached to a movie that we've covered that like regardless of like not not him directing but like what we did uh what do we do that he produced um let's go through it um you know used cars used cars right right in the beginning of the 80s uh -hmm. which we covered you can hear that in the archives at (laughs) www.reconsideration.com if you missed that one yeah Um, but yeah there's they're they're kind of all over the place you know there's hits and there's misses there's a lot more hits than misses but um there is some there uh, but, uh we cover i mean once gremlins once the, yet we did gremlins right? well yeah, we you did guys gremlins, did, yeah. yeah you did gremlins you, money we pit we we've done that. money pit yeah so joe we've done a hit the volcano i think is one of yep. them joe versus the volcano yeah. he did yeah so yeah, there's but, a handful that we've covered for sure yeah and a lot more and a lot that we future. haven't yeah but we there's something like the Spielberg stamp of a, you know, his, his putting his mark on a movie really um, gave it a huge boost. Sure. You know, Absolutely. in the eyes, I mean, Sp- Steven Spielberg in, in the eighties was the number one director. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm absolute number one director and produced, I mean, this one, not necessarily, but produced some of the, I mean, most important <laughs> movies yeah. from my childhood at least yeah i mean you look know, look back at, look to the at, future goonies right poltergeist. Pol- poltergeist gremlins the goonies back to the future i guess if we're just talking 80s it'd be one and two sure. uh young sherlock holmes don't don't sleep yep. on that one no nope. sure. Mo- money pit an american tale harry and the hendersons inner space definitely covering that yeah. who framed Who-frame roger, roger rabbit, rabbit. The Land Before Time, at least the first one. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's a huge list. That's all separate from the movies directed. he directed. So it's on top of, you know, three Indiana Jones movies and on top of The Color Purple and, uh, you know, so many, so many big, big films. Mm-hmm. Um, but those, you know, putting his name on those just gives it even obviously many of those are great stories, great, you know, projects on their own, but putting his name on it, boosts it up to just an entirely different scale. Um, and some of those, you know, really standing the test of time, like back to the future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's also got some other ones that even if they were financial hits at the time have not had the legs that those other ones do. You know, used cars we talked about. Continental Divide, which is a John Belushi movie from, I want to say it's 1982. Yeah. 81, 82. Uh, and it was really made during the uh, kind of, unfortunately, a brief time when John Belushi was clean and um, really trying to get his dramatic acting career going. Uh, Three O'Clock High, we mentioned, Spielberg produced. Now, that one has always been kind of a cult favorite. Yeah, I love that movie. But yeah, it also feels very non-Spielberg thumbprint yeah. to me. Like it, th- that one on the list seems out of place. But I'm, I'm part of that cult that enjoys that movie. Yeah, it, it, it does. And, and all of those movies, they just maybe he put his name on it and was not really involved the ones 
we listed previously, like he got involved in all those, like he was involved in the casting and the, you know, a lot of the creative, the script development, you know, some of those other ones, it, you can tell he wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, he wouldn't have made some of those decisions. So, and this but is this one, one of those, but this like one, right he, is in, he is involved though. I mean, I know he's keeping a close eye on, on cost and, and things like that. Cause it was important for it to come in on budget. Um, he hand selected the director, you know, who's Matthew Robbins, right? Who, uh, who they worked together before. Yeah. What did they work together on? Uh, the director had written the screenplay for Sugarland Express. He did some stuff, uh, with amazing stories. So they had a relationship. Yeah. Uh, when he was selected for this. So they plucked him right from Amazing Stories here. Yeah, I mean, and as well as, I mean, he also had done some kind of rewrites on on Close Encounters. So yeah, there, ah. was, there was some history. Yeah, but then Matthew Robbins ended up directing a, a cool movie, at least I remember it as a cool movie. Haven't seen it since the late 80s. The Legend of Billie Jean. Yeah. I... I, I that's one that comes up a the lot. movie with two slaters two slaters not it one, is. but two yeah is what is it heather and and christian is it heather Hel- helen slater helen. and helen christian slater. slater yeah yeah which not are they? not related they're yeah, not, not related, related right no uh although many people thought that they were based on that movie but no yeah. they're they're not but helen slater from supergirl fame yeah sure uh, oh she's great yeah so and then he also directed Dragon Slayer and Corvette Summer. Corvette Summer, the Annie Potts, Mark Hamill classic. Wow. I'll have to go watch that one. It's the movie Mark Hamill did that wasn't Star Wars. A high school grad and a hooker in training try to track down his stolen Corvette. Isn't that risky yes, business? Yes, sir. <laughs> Is that risky Isn't that risky business? Isn't Sign that risky me business? Up. It's got a great post. Corvette Summer's got a great poster, but actually, Corvette Summer was the movie that uh, he was. I believe. I believe Hamill was in production on or was promoting when he got in his really bad car accident that uh, changed changed his look between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. So. Matthew Robbins is uh, the director of those films and Amazing Stories, and and comes in. Uh, to hey, take hold on, home. sorry. I just have to interrupt real quick because you forgot that he also directed Bingo. <laughs> I shame on me. Which, if you haven't seen Bingo from 1991 about the dog with cool sunglasses, then <laughs> you obviously missed the 90s. Yeah. Well, Matthew Robbins has a screen a credit of screen story for uh, the Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That is true. Though the, so, uh, the from our the, this very Oscar season that we're currently in. Yeah, so it looks like, I mean, I think it looks like him and Guillermo did probably the earliest drafts of it. Yeah. And then, so Guillermo uh, saw batteries not included and said, I need that. I guy. need that. Get guy. me Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> Get me with that voice exactly. Yeah. Get me Robbins. Oh. oh, that's cool. But he's not the only person that had a creative uh, hand in here. This is also written by Brad Bird. Yeah. Oh. It's his, his first, on the screen. it's his first written by credit. Yeah. Uh, what else has Brad Bird done? Where would we know his name from? Oh, geez. The Incredibles. The Incredibles. Exactly. <laughs> no, yeah. Iron Iron Giant. 
Come on. Let's yeah. Get, let's well, get yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the really great animated films of yeah. our of our generation. Iron Giant Ratat- amazing. Ratatouille, Iron Giant. Yep. And yes, obviously yeah, the, the Incredibles. You know, a lot of people who were involved in the early days of Pixar, you know, really were hitting home runs every time. The Incredibles is an amazing movie. Um, the second one, not as amazing, but still a good time. So, yeah. Well, uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. I was going to say, don't is don't. a spiritual successor. Yeah, it's, as a is a spiritual sequel to The Incredibles, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Like, Wait, yeah. now is that Ghost Protocol? Is that four or five? I, I mix. I I, I have I crazy four. mix them up. So I think that's no, four. No idea. That's four. Yeah. Does uh, anybody else feel like Up might also be somewhat of a spiritual sequel to Batteries Not Included? I'm just gonna go sure. back because oh, we're yeah. talking Pixar yeah. a little bit. Oh yeah, there. you could. Oh yeah, let's throw it out there. Up is a unofficial sequel to Batteries Not Included. <laughs> it's got it. I mean, Hume Cronin, Jessica Tandy, they're definitely the leads of Up at the beginning, and yeah. the house is. Definitely in the middle of a bunch of huge skyscraper buildings, just like we leave the the apartment complex at the end of Batteries Not Included. I I might be. You're not wrong. I kind of love that theory. So Brad Brad Bird has a strong Pixar connection. Uh, obviously, he didn't direct uh, up, but. He could have very easily given notes and and lent yeah. some story ideas. That's a good point. I I think you're on to something. Let's make it official. It's real. I, I think it's official. Put yeah. a stamp on it. Yep. We'll spread it. We'll tell our friends on social media and it'll become a real thing. I'm probably gonna watch three o'clock high after this recording, by the way, because I haven't seen that. <laughs> you haven't like, ever? Oh no, I haven't have. seen it since the like the ni- like 1990. I, like, yeah, and yeah. I think I only saw oh. it in pieces then, so really? I feel like oh. I couldn't say I've actually seen it. Buddy Lavelle, man. Yeah. I what haven't a, seen it recently, but holy shit, that movie! I used to love that movie. movie. Rules. We need <laughs> Casey Shamasco. He needs to be more present. So let's find him. Let's get him some movies, Hollywood. Yeah, don't don't sleep on on Casey Shamasco. Yeah, we need a, yeah. need a little more. And Richard Tyson, right? Richard Tyson was Buddy yeah. Lavelle, indeed. who uh, would go on to be the villain in Kindergarten Cop, indeed, hmm. and That's in a right. lot of Farrelly Brothers movies randomly. So, just FYI, I just wanted to interrupt and say I'm gonna probably do that. <laughs> um, yeah. Keeping on brand, it's all good. <laughs> So, all right, let's go back to batteries not included, though. Do we actually, are you actually connected to these characters? Are you following the plot? How much do you actually care what happens to them? I'm invested. I want to see them, you know, be okay. Yeah. I don't, like, not want them to you know, I want their characters to be okay, but I also didn't really care that much. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was the, like, I felt like when I watch it now, I kept getting taken out of the movie. And and it was the the style of acting. Though. Like, I, I love Hume Cronin, and I felt like his performance was very different in Cocoon than it is here. It's sure. a little more over the top. And that kind of thing you know, just really takes me out. And, and, you know, Carlos, the Carlos character was also, you know, stereotypical and, you know, the, the, 
the gang, you know, that that's hired to, to try to get everybody out of the apartment. It's just, I don't know. I struggled with it. So I had a hard time getting invested. I yeah, I could, I could see that. I, I don't know. I, I didn't find it difficult to be cheering for the underdog. Like I, I definitely felt like maybe not so much the Hume Cronin or Jessica Tandy characters as much as I love them um, from Cocoon. But like, I really liked Frank McRae and I, did you? Yeah. The Harry Noble character. He needed like, more to do. He definitely but, needed yeah. more to do, but he had that like childlike innocence. And I feel, I feel like that may have been, the attempt to have kind of in lieu of having an actual kid actor in, in the movie was have kind of a childlike character in there. And I don't know, I was definitely rooting for him, especially like when he was picked on at the beginning and he's like hiding behind the curtain, very like adolescent thinking of like being able to hide behind a curtain, you know, and protecting your, your tile pieces. And, you know, I just, I did like him and I liked his, his come up or like his, his victory in the end. Like I was, I was in for that. I see. I felt like that was also kind of, maybe this is the modern me talking, right? Like sure. Looking back on it feels very enabling to people with a mental, you know, mental issue. It comes across that way now that like, I, I can, and I think, okay, that might be a fair interpretation now, but you're talking about me who's coming at it from the eyes of a nine-year-old where sure. this, you know, like that is yeah. really the case. And, yeah. and I'm bringing that with me as I'm watching it now. Right. So right. like, I'm more coming at it from a person's standpoint of who saw it as a child and remembers certain aspects of it from that childhood. Uh, and I'm not really looking at it so much from like the lens of 2023 and how we have, you know, how, how, you know, we're much more aware of these things uh, than we yeah. were. Well, David is looking at it through the 2023 lens. <laughs> well, I don't think it's uh I don't think it's like too exploitive to the, the idea that he is this, you know, that he is um, on some spectrum level or just having a, um, or, or you know any sort of um uh what do you call it atypical neuro atypical yeah neurodivergence or whatever yeah so um i don't think it's too exploited to that like it's just the thing is his character isn't fleshed out too much and like he has a he has a certain value to the group um but that's like there isn't a lot up to him other than he's just sort of this innocent kind of guy and then ha that has this other uh, other value that helps everyone out um i mean so, I, loved, yeah. I loved that the first like eight lines he has are just like commercial taglines from from when yeah. i was a kid you know he, well yeah, he's the one who says battery is not, not included, included. Yeah, yeah absolutely battery is not included yeah, he's all about the radio and TV taglines for brands and stuff, like which is yeah, it's, it's a cute little like thing, but like I, you know, you don't, you almost don't understand why anyone cares that he's there unless he, you know, like that's the thing. Yeah. There's this disconnect. Like he, he doesn't have like a, they know him, like Frank and Faye know him. Yeah. Um, I don't think the other the other people do. I don't think Marisa or uh, you know, um, 
what's his face mason 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 know him and so they all meet each other and uh but like so yeah if he had like a fun like warm relationship with them in the restaurant like every day like you know it'd be like a nice little he's just part of their little family like so you know i don't know that's i think that's like seeing it from a modern perspective of like there's an easier way to like really get get behind all these characters that have nothing to do with each other like you kind of have to make them have something to do with each other yeah like like why specifically are they all holding out like right there's no answer for some of them some of them is just it's just like stubbornness or just like you know whatever um but or they don't have any yeah so they're they're if they were a little more cohesive as a unit you know i think it'd be a lot more enjoyable and easier to root for all of them but Um, i think we know why each of them are not going right like i mean like very loose terms frank and frank and Faye. obviously they have the history yeah i think they're the most clear and mason right mason thinks that it's a historical building and wants to try and preserve it and save it i think marisa is there because she's pregnant and is kind of waiting for her musician right baby baby daddy to be like let's get out of here you know and that's not happening and then i think with harry it's just yeah, again, like I don't think he knows, you know, like I kind of what we were talking about. He's kind of a, uh, you know, a more simple character that just doesn't have a lot of. He has nowhere else to go, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I felt like I kind of understood why each of them was there. I, I'm not saying it's incomplete. I'm just saying it's like they're all these little. It's part of that. It's the symptom of like they all have the separate stories going. Sure without it like really hitting home yeah there's definitely a lack of connection you know like which i think is exactly right like there's like this weird lack of connection for people who seem to be united in this desire to stay for whatever reason but again like they're it it seems like they're in some cases just meeting for the first time right yeah it seems like well this has been going on a long time obviously since every other single building in this area is destroyed and not standing. You're the only one still there. Like yeah. this can't be the first weekend. You guys are like, oh, who are you? Yeah. Oh yeah. We. Oh, you live here. We're the only four <laughs> tenants left. Like, yeah. Like in the no, whole building on. on this yeah. street where no one is. So yeah. Um. I, that being said, though, like I really do like a lot of these actors. I maybe kind of yeah. dog in the performance in in this movie, but I love Frank McRae. I mean, Frank oh, McRae sure. in yeah. Red Dawn getting killed right in the opening of that is like one of the most, one of my, I feel like one of my first kind of like shocking movie memories. Um, And he was in so many movies throughout the eighties and early nineties. And, you know, from being the stereotypical uh, police captain and 48 hours to, uh, you know, the living daylights and Rocky and you know, the first, I think Rocky two, he's in used cars. He's, he's kind of all over, but mm-hmm. love Frank McRae really love Elizabeth Pena who had a really, yeah, really solid career. And I think she had just done La Bamba, right. Just before this. Right around the same time. Yeah. yeah. That sounds right. Yep. Uh, La Bamba, by the way, guys, uh, let's put it on the list. Yeah, we should. Yeah, I remember seeing that at the theater. Uh, and then John Pankow, who plays a, you know a representative from the develop the the developing company that's trying to. Yeah, I love John Pankow. He's in one of my favorite movies, the uh, to, to Live and Die in L.A., hmm. 
which is another one we'll, yeah. we'll be coming around to, but so good in that. And then, I mean, a lot of, I think he was on, was he on mad about you? He was, I know he was, he was on, on mad about, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, he for, was on mad about you. He was in secret of my success. He was in a, yeah. he's been in a, Oh yeah, that's right. Sure. Yeah. 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 But you know, great actor there. And yep. This movie is tragic. Like I was going through, like a lot of the cast has passed away. Right. And some of them like at a pretty young age, like the Michael Carmine who plays Carlos died just just only a couple years after after this movie he was only 30 years old but he and elizabeth pena who also passed away dude they passed away like on the same day 25 years apart like it's like oh october 14th it's like crazy man i think all the only actors left are john pankow and and dennis butzikarius yeah yeah i think so like everybody else is is uh maybe john desanti but uh uh, he might still yeah yeah, but for the most part, any of the main cast, like honestly, main cast wise, like really only uh, the guy who played Mason is really around. Who who I I like him also. I mean, he was not in that many big name projects, but you know, when I saw this, I I, I was saying I saw this in my after school daycare. Mm-hmm. The I, I mean, I don't know what they're called. The like counselor who was there, like the guy who ran the thing, his name was Neil. He looked exactly like Dennis Butzkarias. So really, I was like, whoa, you're in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? I think he looks a little bit like Michael Douglas, but. Oh, yeah. He's, he's definitely got a, a Douglas vibe. Yeah. He was in uh, Crocodile Dundee 2, which another secret. Quiet. I'm like, does he kind of sound like Treat Williams? <laughs> a little bit yeah he could be <laughs> he's they a, could be brothers and yeah. he's he's the combination of treat williams and <sighs> michael douglas yeah I think that's beautiful right. head of hair and that that solid yes. colored beard he had on the this solid, beard. solid yeah. beard but then Good. the so then the fix-its show up to you know help kind of lift everybody's spirits right where do no. they there's no explanation where the fixits come from right? outer space I, correct <laughs> but why because that they, building needed fixing <laughs> they needed power one of them needed power and so then they decided to fix it why wow, he broke them <laughs> i mean it's I as simple as that <laughs> the building needed fixing no frank riley hewn crage he prayed. He did. He, he prayed. He asked. He asked for help. That's all you got to do, and the fix it's will come. Well, I See, mean, come on. How many movies have we seen where like that's all magic the, shit? The, yeah, but you know what? Like, drive let's, you com- need. let's compare it to ET. ET had a complete like logical explanation. Like, there's there's a reason ET's there. We've, we've already established that this is seventy five percent of a movie. <laughs> that's part of the 25 you need an explanation why the fixits are there it really. bothered me what this time like they just show up they're just Sounds there like somebody was grumpy co- you know it's it's convenient and it's a coincidence but who cares i don't know who cares <laughs> they're, they're cute i'm gonna get my anti-fixit merchandise going which <laughs> you can buy at reconsideration.com um, yeah. All right. Let's do it. It's just it's going to be pictures of the fixits with a big like circle with a cross through yeah. it, like down with the fixits. Fixits not allowed. <laughs> Don't include the fixits not included. Fixits not included. 
<laughs> Perfect. We got it. I don't I don't think you need an order. Like you like what do you need? Like a throwaway line where like they figure out like, oh, they're they're just passing through our galaxy. And then you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, they're just passing through. Yeah. So they just need to say it. And then you'd be like, great, love it. <laughs> Perfect. Check. Maybe they were dropping off their predator on the other side of the planet. They very well could be. Yeah. Like they their were, version they, of the predator. Yeah. I like, like I like that take. Like yeah. those hunting. You know, and there's this there's this other story that we never see. We're right? connecting, we do. it's predator too. We're connecting <laughs> batteries not included to a lot of other things, and it's making well, it's it pretty their lo- logical connections. <laughs> I mean, if you really think about it. What part of New York are they in? They don't really say New York. It, it's like Queens, right? Or the they, New York part. Yeah, they're in the they part, in New, they're in the are part they in that's Manhattan? rubble. They're in the New York part. Because we get to see Times Square <laughs> in this movie. Like yes. it's a whole different world when they walk they go to Times Square like yeah. in the toward the end of the movie. It's like yeah. oh, and now they're filming an 80s. Yeah, it feels film. it feels really different when they're when they are there. <laughs> and they're yeah. there immediately, right? Like, like they just, just walk there. Like well, yeah. they're just like oh, they're looking good. for the fix it kids. They're just on after, the other side of the bridge. That's after all. the fix it kids are born, you know, they get scared, right? And they fly off and disappear into the city. Mm-hmm. How it's like finding a lost dog in in the city. Like how how oh the whistle, right? No. Well, yeah, because yeah, he figured out how to communicate with them. Yeah, like, that's right. Because Henry Harry knows Harry you need knows an explanation how to fix for it. that too, John. I did. Yeah, Harry it's, Harry prepared the baby. <laughs> he fixed the baby. He fixed the baby. He, he fixed the baby with his TV, with his precious TV that he took apart. He knew yeah. exactly he, what parts to to use. He had, he had a theory, and then he, it worked. Well, he we had a he, theory. We've already it's already been established that that Harry is also kind of a fix-it guy right because he's like a, earlier he's a human the, mr fix-it yeah. earlier in the movie like he's sitting there trying to put the little tiles back together like yeah. he's he's a tinkerer he's yeah. a fix he's a fix-it <laughs> perfect we are this is making the perfect movie i don't understand why you hate this movie so much john <laughs> um all of a sudden you need an explanation what are they doing there <laughs> oh my god what's I their motivation I also felt like this movie what? was maybe 15 minutes too long. Yeah. I feel it's like an the, hour end, 40. the end is, is a little bit drawn out. Like just the way the timing of it all, like, you know, they're in the city, they're trying to find the fix it's. And then the Faye is left behind and at the apartment building. And then the arsonist is there. Cause now they're going to just going to burn the building down and, and force it. And then Carlos's turn from, villain the hero and he rescues Faye and there is like yeah there they, every every one of those scenes is like just like 45 seconds too long to like yeah keep stream like that does like that's the power of editing right like like you can really tighten this up and still get across what you need so it, it's almost like do they do they have the right coverage that they needed they can't reshoot it okay this is what they're gonna go with they're gonna make it longer I but mean yeah, and how long did that arsonist have to like set up the friggin He's doing great work. Movie track. Like my, that, my favorite that guy's down there for a month and a half. <laughs> my putting balloons, balloons filled like, with fuel. Like what? My Sell favorite, my favorite part is like Carlos confronts him and they're fighting like out in the front of the building where he's yelling about the arsonist is yelling. It's, it's, it's going to blow. Like, but it's, it's the only building in yeah. New York. So it's like. That's in old you've York. Got, you've got two York, yeah. minutes. What I am intrigued from a production standpoint is like, where do they film like 
this exterior all, the, all these exteriors like where did they was it part of because it's clearly like you see surrounding areas it is like old well, buildings built, and stuff they built that they built the building right yeah, so like that's the on actual stage. yeah well no, they no, built but i'm it saying out. the exterior oh correct yeah no they yeah, built yeah. the facade it's somewhere on the lower east side oh wow uh, they, they yeah. found like yeah. a vacant lot and then they filled it with rubble and a bunch of crap and then they built like a three-sided facade okay uh building that they used as a set and it's kind of funny because like people around people around the neighborhood like during filming were trying to like they did so good with it that people were like coming in and trying to eat at the cafe (laughs) like just like neighbors and stuff like around the area like the city came out and was like like the plumbing uh i don't uh, like whoever the plumbing superintendent was like came out and was like, why is there not a permit for this building? And oh, yeah. like the city, like sewage and, and it's refuge like real building. <laughs> yeah. They like came to like p- start taking trash away and stuff like in this, in this area, <laughs> they started like, they literally were picking up set garbage, like set pieces that were intentionally set dressed out there. Like that they thought oh, were tr- trash bundles. So yeah, it's, it's, it's supposedly was on Eighth Street between Avenue C and D, I think. Yeah, um, but that's now? it's all it's it's uh, other Sky buildings scrapers. are there, so it's <laughs> you can't even tell that it was there. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, interesting. So, I just thought I I thought the design of that the building was really good, and I thought sure. they did a, they did a great job with that, like to make it seem like because yeah, that empty lot turned turned you know deconstructed buildings was like looked like a fucking war zone, like you could do yeah. private saving private Ryan on that yeah, block. like, like just <laughs> bricks, you know, just piles of bricks, bricks and, and wood trouble. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, like uh, I read something that Spielberg wanted the building to have sort of a. A, kind of the rear window kind of feel to it mm-hmm. like and mm-hmm. so um so yeah i think i agree that i think they did a pretty considering it's all movie magic like yeah. it's pretty well, pretty well done and you got and you got to give props to toward the end where they where they burn it down i mean that fire sequence like that looked gorgeous like they like that's that 80s like we're we're gonna destroy this and yeah. i mean practical you know, like we're not backdrafted it yeah, yeah, and then and then the and then the part of the facade coming down and just like, whew, nice yeah. job, everybody! Like that's that's where yeah, you know, before yeah. you had computers to do shit, like that's where all the money went. It was like yeah, machine. We got, we got the up. shot. Yep. Yeah, and like well, you know, with the stunt guy that played like for Carlos, who was in the building trying to rescue Faye, like that that was a lot of fire in those fucking like narrow turns and all that shit and. You know, he's hiding his face because it's not him but it's just like <laughs> there's some fire like yeah you can tell he's covered in like the yeah. gel but like <laughs> that's fucked up like you i don't know you don't do that these days yeah no <laughs> you know? no well, safe, they actually they safety. do sometimes and when they do you notice it because yeah it's pretty awesome yeah yeah <laughs> safety precautions are a little different these days i'll say <laughs> But a good thing there was some fix-its around for after the building burned down. We we still need to get our happy Steven Spielberg ending. Yeah, the, not not just our family of fix-its, but like the every fix-it in the galaxy. They're all here. All the all the fix-its are here now. So That's they all cute. show up and and I, we get I our ha- <laughs> we get our happy ending right with the building now rebuilt and not just rebuilt but 
pristine to what its original quality was. So now it can be saved by the historical building registrar, whoever that lady was. Yeah. I would have just loved you saw the interior of the apartments and they like they look super 80s with like <laughs> neon and Liechtenstein paint like posters or a lot like, of lacquer and yeah, like, like there's like hot tubs and like like whoa geez the, the fix it's really you know like, it should they, be like that should be the apartment complex where like all the 80s sitcoms happened like perfect strangers like oh they lived <laughs> yeah. there yeah That's yeah, where yeah they yeah. lived it's the same the, place. The facts of life, girls, and the yeah. perfect strangers. They all live and there. then Seinfeld moved in and forget <laughs> about <laughs> it. <laughs> um, yeah. So we get our we get our happy ending, and 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 there we go. Should we? Uh, is it time? Should we talk a little? Well, hold on, hold on. Whoa, you missed one on. key. Oh, do amazing tell. story. No cameo. Mario at the Lopez. end of this movie. Luis Guzman. Was Luis Guzman in the end? Very Hell young yeah, Luis was Guzman. Yep. Very young, sitting in the back behind Faye and uh and 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 Frank as they as they stand outside the the building and huh. talk about how wonderful it is that it's rebuilt. Is he just he's, stand he's just standing behind them? Yeah, he's just standing in the background with oh, some shit. other some other guys. Luis Guzman. Yep, yeah, I know that. That's there very he cool. is. Big fan. We'll call that up. Well, look, this was a movie. You know what? Like, I'm as I'm on the IMDb page for it. It's like movies like this, and I I wouldn't have thought like, but it's the perfect same sort of thing. Short circuit, mm-hmm. like right. There's there's a rom com element, but it is this weird like family friendly movie that have nothing to do with kids, but kids like short circuit. Yeah. Like, yeah. I grew up liking short circuit. Like, and this is another one of those. This is a part of the '80s of like things that aren't necessarily made for kids as the target audience, but it has to be is also accessible to kids, right? Like, brighter is not included, probably less accessible, but it's still along that same vein, you know. So it's 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 before kids became important, like consumers of kind of entertainment and all of that. Like, there the four quadrant was important in a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Well, it was right. It was right at the precipice of that, right? Like a big driving factor, again, kind of going back to the consumer products thing earlier is that, you know, at this time in the eighties is when the toy market for kids was exploding and like, and you know, like there were all these kind of mechanical digital toys, you know, that required batteries. And so like, that's, you know, all kind of feeding into that. And that's why, you know, like this is, this is, part of that push or trying to trying to you know have momentum because of that push so yeah i mean similar to to uh short circuit you know with the robot and and all that stuff just something that could be a toy that a kid could latch onto and get their parents to spend their money to buy and you could destroy in the backyard did short did did johnny five have a action figure and, and no, did the fix it have action figures they didn't know it, it, it would now it would have it now but didn't then yeah. yeah i mean so that that's the thing it's just it's just a movie to get as many eyeballs without offending everybody you know they don't make those anymore right yeah. <laughs> like they haven't done right. that in 20 years <laughs> like when everything got marketed to death and focus group to death 
Well, should we, uh, have we arrived? Should we talk a, a little box office glory? Sure, yeah, absolutely. All right. Batteries Not Included comes out December 18th, 1987. Believe it or not, it had a $25 million budget. Good, good, good. What? Which is a that's a lot of money. Uh, it's a hundred million like this. this year. That's a yeah. hundred million today. I Probably. mean, it's all that Cronin cash. You know, they were Hume, very Hume, expensive. Yeah. Hume, 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 wants, Hume, Hume wanted Hume. Hume wanted 20 million, and uh, Jessica gets one, and the rest <laughs> is for the movie. So he's like, I don't get out of bed for less than a million a day. Uh, and he, so it uh it it has a 3.3 million dollar opening weekend it's uh open opens up against overboard hey oh, oh yes we're going to talk about that and leonard part six. Oh no we're not going to talk about that how are you not going to talk about leonard part six <laughs> is this bill cosby or that is that's that's bill how cosby. you're not going to talk about exactly. leonard. Uh, okay. uh, what, was, it, what was that movie <laughs> oh it was it was a confused movie but i'm not gonna lie I, probably have seen that movie a dozen times i see a superhero he's no. a kind of i don't know if you call him a superhero or you know, like some kind of, of oh it's a spy parody film. he's a, yeah he's a misplaced super spy i'm trying to think oh i'm thinking of uh ghost dad i'm thinking no Pluto I, was thinking Nash. Robert, I was thinking of robert robert townsend as uh oh yeah, yeah. meteor um, man meteor man yeah oh yeah it's like that's what i thought you were like Leonard Part Six. That's and then as I'm saying it, it's like no wait, that's Bill Cosby. What am I thinking of? Anyway, uh, so so batteries huh. not include opens up against those two movies. It debuts at number four, right between Throw Mama from the Train and Wall Street. Ooh, uh, number one at the box office that week was Raw with Eddie Murphy. Oh shit! Yeah, uh, it ends up. With a thirty-two point nine million dollar domestic run, so it it makes a little money. That that must have run for six months. <laughs> like it was probably, uh, uh, no, uh, batteries not that, included. Yeah, it's yeah didn't like to open at three million and to make that. Like I mean, and movies had more longevity back then. Anyway, yes, so. yeah, yeah. They didn't get pulled quite as quickly. I mean, and and again. There was no streaming. The home video market was really 87 was just 87, 88 was really just starting to really rise. Yeah. Um, so movies had a longer theatrical run. Uh, it was the number 45 movie of 1987, right between Nuts and Baby Boom. I saw Baby Boom in a the theater. <laughs> Did you? Did you? I haven't yeah, seen I either of those I don't movies. know why. I think I was dragged there. I don't remember. I, I just rewatched it, I guess. Boom and I, I, I liked it. I, th- I enjoyed it. I, I, I Diane Keaton, Harold Ramis' joint. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like seeing Harold Ramis as kind of a jerk, but, you know. Well, you know, sometimes, sometimes you got to play the jerk. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the box office for Batteries Not Included. You know, not a massive uh, winner for Spielberg, but I think it had, I think it had some legs on video. Obviously, that was where where I saw it. And, um, but uh, you know, I will say, I did like seeing the Hume Cronin Jessica Tandy team. I remember when this came out, 
I used to watch in the in the mornings. I'd watch Good Morning America with my dad, uh, you know, especially in the eighties. And I remember the, the huge deal being made about them doing a, another movie together. And they had had this legendary career as, as a couple, and both individually having you know been in some some great films over the course of forty years, and yeah. uh, and Cocoon being probably their best together. Uh, and they would still do another, I think, one or two projects after this one. But um, like Cocoon 2. Like and, Cocoon uh, 2. And then there's another one that they did in 94 that released right after Jessica X, Candy passed away. X versus Sever. Per, yep. Yeah. They were both in X versus Sever. Banderas, Cronus, Tandy, and Lou. Together again. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, but yeah, I don't know if 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 I really want to see the two of them together, I'm probably going to watch Cocoon and not this. Good luck finding it. What other what other movies were they in that that I should see? Because I don't I didn't know they were a power Hollywood. I don't I wouldn't say they were a power, you know, team on camera, but they they, you know, were a famous couple who who lasted their whole. Gotcha. You know, they're basically their whole careers together. Oh, okay. They weren't. They weren't in a lot of like movies. In the I think they did a total together. of four. Uh, no, okay. it had to be more because Cocoon, yeah, they, Cocoon Two, this, and uh, their final or her final film. But um, so I think maybe one or two more. What was her final? Her final film was Nobody's Fool, but I don't. No, know. there's. Hold on, I'm gonna find it here. I'm gonna look up Hume Crown. Oh, it's called Camilla. Camilla. Oh yeah, right. Nobody's Fool did. Yeah, did release after. Uh, both of those released after her death, but um, Camilla was the last one that she did with Hume Cronin. Got it. And if uh, you want to oh, hear wow. more about Nobody's Fool, you can check it out in our archives at reconsinimation.com. We did that? Oh, we did it. <laughs> David doesn't even remember the movies we did. Wait, before. Nobody's Fool. Which one's pa- that? Paul Newman. Paul Newman. Oh, Paul Newman. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. great in that one. Uh, I, do, I do remember <laughs> <laughs> We've done so many. There's so many movies. We're like that... 150 episodes, and I don't know. Congrats. Good for us. <laughs> but so what do you guys think? For a modern audience, is a modern audience gonna wanna watch this movie? And what do you think they're gonna think if they do? Uh I think a new audience would probably have a you know a tough time with it in a little bit, but I don't think they'd find anything offensive about it, more you know, more or less. You know. It's it's yeah it's fine it's it's a it's it's perfectly eighties uh, schmaltzy but not as well executed as a lot of that eighties schmaltz could could be like yeah. your short circuits like short circuits a little little schmaltzy a little more fun yeah you got a fair amount of racism in short circuit now well yeah I mean you know that that's that's on the somewhat unwatchable list as far as that stuff goes we can't watch that huh. We can't watch that or two. Two was good. <laughs> I love two. Two was great. Yeah. <laughs> it was it's all about like us. branding. It was it was all about like commercialism and branding. Yeah. That was great. Look, he didn't know. He didn't know. He didn't know. You know. No, I, I mean it's a product of its time. Like yeah. like so many of of what we're talking about and looking at is is you know, what was okay then is not okay. Now we can't change it. This You're is the gonna... Fisher, the Fisher Stevens, the Fisher aspect Stevens. Yeah. Aspect. Yes. I think, in, I think Aziz Ansari talked about like either me, not even realizing Fisher Stevens wasn't 
Asian. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, I, I don't like think you, I knew. Like, yeah, I didn't. And then yeah. figuring it out. I'm like, yeah, we none of us. Do. It's like, like, oh, oh no. that guy from Short Circuit. Oh, he's not Indian. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, but then the Fisher Stevens would show up from other stuff. And it's like, huh. Yeah. He's not. Oh, he doesn't have that accent. Oh, OK. I think he's <laughs> but, become a big director, too. And yeah. Yeah. But um, but uh, I think, you know, I don't think we uh, I don't think anyone's putting I don't think anyone's trying to like, you know, uh, cancel Fisher Stevens for that. No, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to stop watching short story. Yeah. I mean, I haven't I haven't watched it in years, but <laughs> I'm not going to say that I'm never going to watch. it. <laughs> I'm, again. Ne- yeah. I'm not going to refuse a short circuit. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, looking hey, for let's it. Watch short circuit. I'll be like, OK. I mean, if that's what, if that's the top movie you want to watch right now, we can watch Short Circuit. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I haven't seen it in thirty years. <laughs> no, exactly. It, even if, even though it, even if it is a Guten classic, it, it is. It's a it Guten is. classic. Yep. <laughs> we have many many Guten classics to go ahead of our you know yeah. in, in our lineup here. But hardly uh, any of them would would survive the standards of today's true. Uh, I, I, I don't think there's a, a Guten classic we could watch that wouldn't be like that shouldn't be protested against. Well, <laughs> three men and a baby. We three did men three men and a baby. Other than that, that, that might be the that. only the closest one to being benign. <laughs> yeah, three men and a baby. Number one movie of 1987, by the way. Yeah, yeah. 287 million something. <laughs> something crazy. 44 yeah. spots ahead of batteries not included. <laughs> So I don't know. Like I don't for, understand the discrepancy. If I'm if I'm recommending '80s, you know '80s family movies, like this is not going to be on the top of the list. Um, no. You know, I think there's a lot of others ahead of it, but it yeah. just as an as a you know we hit on all the reasons. Like as, as a, a whole film, it just doesn't connect the way I think you they wanted it to, and. You know, maybe maybe it did then, but it's just not hitting it anymore. So, yeah, yeah. Um, well, but I'm glad we. Like, you know what? It was time to. It was time to do it. It was. Yeah. It's a. It's something that everyone from the '80s knows existed. No one talks about it, and now we understand what you know. Why? Why? It's. It's okay, and it was. It was a nice, and it's a nice little thing for, for seeing Hume and jessica together yeah, yeah. And, you if know. you're fans of them and, and you know all the actors in it are good like yeah definitely does a really good job worth watching if you're a, a frank mccray head you know then definitely head, yeah. yeah definitely get in there but yeah we'll say <laughs> batteries not included has been reconsinimized uh yes quite successfully yeah let's hopefully find cocoon yeah, we're gonna we're gonna continue our search. We for gotta cocoon. circle back on cocoon, guys. Yeah. Let's go get some lunch. I'm not ordering the pea soup, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I I know one thing that uh, could have boosted batteries not included up quite a bit, and that's wow. if they had cast Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell instead he of should... instead instead he... of Mason, whoever played Mason. Well, yeah. you know, Dennis, oh yeah, Dennis yeah, but... did a great job, but yeah, I saw, I, I did see, I did see a little bit of Kurt Russell in that. In yeah, that especially with the tortured hair. artist role. Oh, come on, oh, hair, yeah, great art, great hair. hair. Kurt would have dominated though, so you know, and I say that because our very next episode is we're, we're circling around Mr. Russell's birthday, and we've got a big 
Kurt oh, Russell boy. episode coming up. So not going to say what it is. I'll let your imaginations run wild. Uh, we may have a special guest for it. We're still trying to work out all the contracts and everything, but uh, we'll see if we can get uh, somebody back in the studio. But uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. Um, well, Brent, you're right. We reconcinemized batteries not included, and we went family, and maybe maybe we don't do that again. Come on. There's plenty I, of brilliant no, family you're right. movies. You're right. The, th- you're right. The, the funny thing about all this is like all the crazy shit you have seen by 1987 in your personal life. I'm like, why is this standing out to you? Like, you know, with all the you've seen a lot of murders and crazy movies and you know, right? Brent, you're a horror aficionado by I'm like, oh, my batteries not included. It's also hitting that, hitting that, like, <laughs> I hitting love something. Listen, uh, man, I was ready to revisit batteries not included. Only Years after, ago. only after we struggled to find other content <laughs> to view. But I, I, just I, thought, I don't regret, I don't regret it. No, we're here. I'm, I'm happy this, we oh, covered yeah. it. This no, is good this stuff. Is, we had a good no, time. I, I, you know, for me, it conjures up a lot of memories of, of that after school, you know, daycare that I actually, uh, I had a lot of really good times there. So, so this movie made me, you know, brought me right back to that. So for that, I was, I was very thankful. I hadn't thought about that stuff in a, quite a long time. Sounds like somebody took the time to explain to you why you were at daycare and that's all you need. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Oh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for our next episode. Uh, it's going to be a good one. And uh, check us out on social media. We're at Reconsinimation Podcast on Instagram and and Twitter. And uh, check out our archives at reconsinimation.com. Don't forget to you know give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps all the episodes get boosted. And while we're at it, quick thank you and shout out to our pals, E.K. Wimmer, thank you for the theme music and check out his podcast, Laser Graves. Curtis Moore, who, uh, by the way, uh, just got uh, or is, is getting married very soon. So congrats hey, on the upcoming congrats. nuptials. Oh, uh, that's not anyone's you. business, but congratulations, Curtis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just kidding. Sorry. We just like to share good news sometimes. So, well, you know, and we need that in today's age. Yeah, we so. need as much good news as we can get. But uh yeah, or some fixits are going to have to come around and, and make some good news. I'm ready. Yeah. Can you explain why they've come? <laughs> so I don't know why they're here. I don't. I don't want to know. Gonna, they're waiting right outside gonna, the booth. I don't know why I'm giving you such a hard time. <laughs> oh God! All right. Well, uh, stay tuned, and we will see you guys next time on Reconsidimation. Take care. Bye now. The fixits are here to to fix my life. And, uh, that's <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> your front porch. Uh, fix your front, front porch. porch. Get yeah. the porch. Get the floor done. Yeah, the front porch, the fix front yard, chimney, the backyard, the, the, the chimney thing, the fix. chimney thing. Yeah, all of it.